This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Father, we do thank you tonight um, for bringing us here together, Lord. Thank you for another opportunity to study, worship together, and pray together. Lord, we do lift up uh, especially um, to you tonight. Uh, Miss Scott, pray that she's fine. Just ask you to uh, be with her and strengthen her. We do pray especially for Jody, Danny, and the baby. Uh, Lord, um, asking for your intervention there. We we pray uh, that uh, everything come out all right there. Pray that the baby's fine. We ask that you... uh, uh, just strengthen, comfort uh, Danny and Jody and the family. Make it all work out for your glory, we pray. Again, we thank you and ask for your uh, direction as we consider this passage before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I found a church member right here. Uh huh. I've met Blake. Yeah. You're kidding. Huh? Which First Baptist? First Baptist Houghton? Okay, okay. Because I was talking to a guy from First Baptist Bowyer today, and he was telling me they were going out tonight, and I was joking with him about coming by here. <laughs> Tell them, come on in. <laughs> okay, First Timothy chapter five. Um, gonna uh, y'all have fun. First Timothy chapter five. We're gonna pick up in verse seventeen here, and uh, just go through a. A uh, few verses here, uh, down through um, verse twenty. Just real brief here, just dealing with the uh, with the elders. Um, verse seventeen: Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture says. You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. Okay, so... This, this again, this is further instruction. Um, remember the, the whole main theme here, how to conduct yourself in the household of God. So we could say, paraphrase it this way, how to act uh, as the church, and, and especially when we come together. So we've got all kinds of instructions here, like we talked about last week, how uh, Timothy as an elder 
is to is to deal with those younger than him, younger men, younger uh, ladies, and those older than him, older men and older women. You may remember going through that last week. Treat the elder men as fathers, the uh, elder women as as um, as mothers, um, the the younger men as brothers, the younger women as sisters with all purity, and then he goes through all the instructions. On, uh, on how to deal with, uh, widows, those who are truly widows, destitute. Uh, in other words, the church is to care for them. And they go on, even though we don't, we don't know the exact specifics here, but they had some sort of list that they put the widows on. And I'm assuming again from the context, it's just a list of widows that the church actually cared for because these, these ladies had, uh, had no family. They were, they were truly destitute. So all, all of this is instruction on how the church conducts itself, how the assembly of God, the church of the living God, the called out ones of God conduct themselves as the household of God. Now he moves to uh, elders, and this is what we're going to talk briefly about uh, tonight. Uh, everybody know what an elder is? What's an elder? Anybody want to take that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in this context, what's, what's an elder? What's he talking about? When he says in verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, what's he talking about? An older wise person? Pardon? An older wise person? Well, that's... Pastor, yeah, pastors. Yeah, the pastors. Um, and, and this is kind of what I was talking about last week. It gets a little tricky sometimes because the, the word elder, just like it is in English, you got, we, we, we use the word elder for, uh, you know, a, a person who's older. And we use the English word elder for an office, the office of elder. Well, that's the same way it is in Greek as well, uh, presbyteros. So, for example, you got the same word in verse one, do not rebuke an elder. And there, by the context, it seems obvious it's just, talk, it's just talking about older men. Do not re- rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. But, um, when you get over to, uh, to, uh, verse 17, he seems to be talking about what we would call the, the office or the function of elder, because he describes them as, uh, one who uh, is worthy of honor, which we're going to get into that in a minute, what he means by that. And he describes them as those who labor in the Word and teaching. Now, if you remember, this is one of the uh, requirements for bishop back in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless... The husband, and, and the word bishop there is just overseer, uh, literally. Overseer would be a better translation. A overseer then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. And he goes on down through the, through the requirements. So, uh, he's talking about the, the teacher here, the, the overseer. And if you remember, may remember when, when we were in that passage, uh, in chapter 3, I, I talked about how the, the terms bishop or overseer, I'll, I'll use overseer, the old King James, new King James says bishop, 
Um, but the term overseer, the term elder, and the term pastor are, are synonymous. They're talking about the same office or function in the church. So this is what he's, what he's um, in, the, in the context of verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17. This is what he's talking about. The elders who rule well lead the leaders of the church. So verse 17 again. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So he's talking about elders, the office of elder or the function of elder. Um, those men who lead, rule, um, and labor in the word and doctrine. These men, he says, are to be uh, counted worthy of double honor. Why is that? Can you tell by the context? I mean, by the, in, that, in that same verse there. Why, why are they to be counted worthy of double honor? Because they rule well, number one. In other words, he's saying if you've got good leaders, if they rule well, and then number two, um, because they labor in the Word and teaching. It's the word there. The Word and doctrine. Word doctrine is teaching. So they labor in the Word and teaching. The ESV translates it this way. They, they labor in preaching and teaching. So he says, um, if they're, uh, he's describing pastors, and I'm going to use that word for a moment because that's what the word, I think the word elder is talking about here. Um, he's describing pastors who, um, who do their job faithfully. They lead well and they are, or oversee, rule well, and they labor hard in the word and teaching. They're faithful leaders slash Teachers. Um, quick word on the on the uh, the word rule. There is translated in the uh, King James. Um, some of you may have a variation there. Uh, you know, you know, a different translation, probably something like lead. I don't know. Does anybody else? Does anybody have anything other than rule in verse seventeen? Direct. Is it, let's see. In the wrong spot right there. Is that a, what's that, NIV? I can tell you in just a minute here. Yeah. Probably. Let's see. Yeah, that's NIV. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well. <clears throat> the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work whose work is preaching and teaching. So there's a good description. Those whose work is preaching and teaching, um, for the Scripture says, do not muzzle the ox. Okay, so that's what he's, that's what he's describing there. The, those church leaders, pastors, who are doing their job, he says, are, are, uh, are worthy of double honor. Now again, the word rule is the idea of being set over. Um, couple of couple of uh, 
definitions given here by Strong's protector or guardian, uh, to care for, to give attention to. Um, and then, as I said, in the, in the Old King James, it's translated rule, um, which is, legit, you know, good translation. Okay. Um, the word well, rule well, is the idea of, of uh, excellently or, or, you know, beautifully. Those who rule well, same idea, uh, same thought. In 1 Thessalonians 5.12, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So there, there's a good description also of the function of elders. Labor among you, over you in the Lord, and admonish you. And you may remember when we went through uh, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter... Uh, 13, verse 7, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And then again in verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account, who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So the writer of Hebrews describes the, these men, these pastors, as the function of pastor, as those who watch out for your souls. They rule over you, they watch out for your souls, because they must give an account. So he says, uh, let them do it with joy. <laughs> And, and not with grief, for that would not be profitable for you. Alright, so what, what does he mean by honor here in 1 Timothy 5? Verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And not just honor, he says double honor. And it's, it's, it's interesting, there's kind of a, uh, a, uh, graduation here, you might say. Um, for example, uh, Verse 3, honor widows who are really widows. Then you get over to uh, verse 17. Let those who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. This time, double honor. And then you get down to uh, chapter 6 where he's talking about relationship between slaves and their masters. And he says, let as, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1, let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor this time. So you got kind of a graduated honor, double honor, all honor. Keeps kind of raising the bar a little bit. So here it's uh, let let the pastors who rule well, lead well, um, oversee well, and who labor, who are faithful in the word and in teaching, let them be counted worthy of double honor. I, th- I think the term double is, is again, is just a way of saying uh, more. Um, if, 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 you, if you take it literally, you, you're going to have to ask double what? <laughs> you know, du- double the honor you've been giving them or du- double the honor that the, uh, he's instructing you to give to the widows back in verse 3? Uh, double what? Uh, I think it's just a way of saying uh, 
honor them, uh, you know, highly, sufficiently. Let them be counted worthy of double honor. What does the term honor mean? Hmm? Respect? Yeah, amen. Respect? Now, there's, there's something else, a little, little more uh, built in here, and I think I touched on this in the case with the uh, widows, too. If I didn't, I meant to. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I did. Um, back in verse 3, honor widows who are really widows. What he has in mind there is, is certainly to respect them. But, but it, what was that? Yeah, in, a, in, in how? I mean, just have a good feeling about them? Say, oh, I care for you? To support them. Yeah, in a monetary sense. That's what he's talking about. But because, he goes on to say, he goes on to describe with the widows, doesn't he, that we're going to limit this to those who are truly destitute. Because they're actually caring for them. They're actually providing. The church is actually providing for these widows. That's what he means by honor. Honor widows who are really widows. That is, yes, certainly respect them. And also provide for them. Provide for their needs. Because they don't have anybody. And so he's saying it's the church's responsibility to provide for them. Um, another cross-reference for this would be Matthew 15, where uh, Jesus is dealing with the, with the commandment, honor your mother and your father. And, uh, and, and that's, that is built into that commandment. It's not just talking about respect your mother and father, although again, certainly you should respect your mother and father. But it means to care for them. Um, let's see. Probably uh, Mark's uh, account of that may bring it out better. Um, yeah, look for a moment at Mark chapter seven, and this this same. What I'm going to show you here is also recorded in Matthew 15. Mark chapter 7. There's a lot here, so I have to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version of what's what's going on here. Uh, Jesus is um, confronted by the uh, Pharisee, Jesus and his disciples, confronted by the Pharisees here for not keeping certain traditions, the traditions... Of of uh, of the elders in this in this sense, they're talking about Jewish elders, uh, just meaning you know these are traditions we've been keeping forever. You know they've been handed down to us by the elders, uh, not pastors. There, this is a whole different deal, Jewish Jewish context. But uh, they're they're condemning Jesus and his disciples for not keeping the tradition of the elders. That is certain ceremonial um, washings, in particular, is what they're talking about: washing your hands. Uh, and so Jesus comes back and says, verse 9, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Boy, I tell you what, there's so much you can say on that. That'll be for another time. But <laughs> we really, really got to be careful. Uh, traditions aren't bad uh, always, but they can be. And this is this is an example of where they are. Definitely bad because they cause you to when when a tradition causes you to transgress the commandment of God, it's time for the tradition to go. Um, 
Jesus says, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Now, listen to the, here's the example that, that Jesus gives them. Verse 10. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. They actually, it was the death penalty was commanded for rebellious uh, children in, uh, in the Old Covenant. But you say, verse 11, But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban. That is a gift to God. Now, here's the deal. He's talking about money here. He's, Jesus says, the commandment is, you shall honor your father and your mother, meaning you shall provide for them when, when they need it. He says, but here's what you do. He's talking to the Pharisees. Here's what you do. If a man says, what I owe my father and mother is Corban, that is, he translates it there, a gift to God, um, then, then you, you, you Pharisees free him from the commandment. So what he does is take the money that he's supposed to be giving to his parents. And this is a hypothetical. Jesus is just using this as an example, although uh, obviously they were actually doing this. Not hypothetical, I guess, but um, he's kind of uh, presenting it that way. If a man comes and takes the money that he is, should be giving to his parents to provide for them, that's what honor means here. And he takes that money and he gives it to the temple, the Pharisees, the, uh, the temple uh, priest. And they sanction that. And they call it Corban. That is a gift to God. So in other words, they're saying, look, if you give the money to God... We we would say it like this, you know, to the ministry. If you if you give the money to the to the ministry, the temple ministry, instead of giving it to your parents who need it, it's okay. I mean, God will accept that because you're giving the money to God. And Jesus is saying, no, God doesn't accept that. The commandment is honor your father and your mother. And he's saying, by your tradition, this this whole thing of Corbin, taking money that belongs to the parents and giving it to, uh, you know, the the religious uh, establishment, he's saying that whole tradition is causing people to transgress the commandment of God. They're not honoring, in a monetary sense, you know, giving money to their father and mother. They're they're quote giving it to God. And Jesus is saying God is not pleased with that. So he says, again, you say, verse 11, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. In other words, he's saying you allow them to get away with that. Verse 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. And many such things you do. So they were putting their own tradition above God's clear commandment to honor, that is, provide for father and mother. Now, I just took you there just to show you that that word honor includes the word of, of uh, uh, includes the idea 
of uh, monetary giving, providing for. Now, back in 1 Timothy 5, which, which is going to be obvious here too. Paul makes that clear here. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and teaching for... Now he's giving his reasoning. Why do that? Here's the reason. For the Scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? You got all these commandments in, in the Old Testament that sometimes we get, uh, we can get, you know, bored with reading, you know, because we think, well, it's just, you know, got all these little commandments, you know, how to, for example, here's one, you know, how to, how to treat your animal, and, uh, just a lot of things that we wonder why that's recorded in the Bible, and, and uh, isn't it interesting uh, what Paul is saying? Uh, what he does say over in 1 Corinthians 9 is that, that that was not written for the sake of an ox. It was written for our sake. Uh, for, I guess you could say for the sake of an ox too. But, I mean, you know, the ox did really did have to eat. When an ox is working, he's got to eat. You've got to feed your ox if you want him to produce. That's what Paul is saying. Provide for the ox. If he's treading out the corn then you don't muzzle him. You let him eat. I was explaining to somebody just the other day, Just I don't remember who it was, but um, this, this is sort of a, a modern example of that. When I first started working out at uh, Marston Dixon, where I work now, um, we were not allowed to take breaks. And we would work, you know, Leslie can tell you, we worked 10, 12, 13, sometimes 14, 15 uh, 16 hours a day. Now, if we went in way, way early, which I did a lot of times, we, we could take a, uh, a lunch break at noon, 12 to 12.30, because that was the day shift break. Day shift got a break. And if we went in early, and a lot of times I did, um, then we could sit down with them at noon. But our shift, which was everything after that, there were no breaks. And you might get out at uh, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you might get out at 12, 1, 2, or 3 o'clock in the morning. No breaks. But, they had all these little free goodies up there. Well, they had they had a little snack thing, you know, where uh, stuff like chips and Cokes were all pretty reasonable. And then they had an, another a coffee pot, and then up there by the coffee pot, all these little packages of uh, oatmeal and grits and and then there was tea and I mean just all kinds of stuff like that for free. And as long as you were working, they never said anything to you about eating that stuff. You couldn't sit down. You couldn't stop. Couldn't stop working. You eat on the run. Yeah, you, we literally, you know, eat while we were working, sandwich or whatever. And uh, but as long as you were working, then you, you, you didn't matter. He didn't care. Our boss, he didn't care if you were eating chips, drinking coke, drinking coffee. He didn't care as long as you're producing. That's what Paul is saying here. You don't muzzle the ox when he treads out the corn. When the ox, when the ox, you've seen these old things, you know, where they're going around in circles treading out the corn. You don't put an ox, you don't, you don't put a muzzle on him because he may get hungry and want to eat some of that corn. And he deserves it because he's treading it out. And that's what Paul is saying. He's working so he, he deserves to eat. Now, this, this is the wisdom of God. I mean, Paul here is, is quoting from Deuteronomy uh, a passage pertaining an animal, yet he's applying it to 
the ministry. Here's, here, church, is how you take care of your elders. You, you honor them. You provide for them because the Scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. And an, another reference he gives, the laborer is worthy of his wages. You see, he's talking about... Uh, He's talking about money there. Monetary things. He's not wages. Not just respect, although certainly respect. You you wouldn't wouldn't be doing any good providing their needs if you didn't respect them. Certainly respect, but it goes beyond that. Um, now let me show you something interesting here. This is just kind of a side note, but I think it's a very, very important side note. In verse 18, Paul says this. He's giving, just like, you know, sometimes, just like we do when we use Scripture to back up what we say. I mean, I may say, here's what we need to do, church, and then here's why, you know, because, because the Lord said in, in such and such verse. That's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, we need to do this because the Scripture says, verse 18. Now, here's what's interesting. He cites two references, right? The first one is, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. That's from Deuteronomy 25.4. The second Scripture reference that he gives to support what he's saying here is the rest of that verse. The laborer is worthy of his wages. And if you notice, if you have a red letter Bible, and it's not a big deal if you don't, but if you do, you'll notice that's red letter. Because Jesus said that. That's, that doesn't come from an Old Testament passage. Now remember, their scripture, their scripture was what we call the Old Testament. Genesis through Malachi. Here's this, the side note I was getting at. This is what's interesting. Paul refers to the words of Jesus as Scripture. He says, For the Scripture says, Number one, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. That's Deuteronomy 25.4. Everybody would have understood, the Jews especially, would have understood that that was Scripture. But the second part, the laborer is worthy of his wages, comes from Luke 10.7. And Paul, call, Paul refers to it as the writings, the Scripture. The Scripture says. That's, that's an amazing thing because it, it suggests that they already were passing around Luke's Gospel in written form when 1 Timothy was being written. So, Paul says, here's how you treat the elders, and I'm about, about done here. Uh, here's how you, you treat the elders that rule well. He qualifies those who rule well and those who labor in the Word and teaching. He says you count them worthy of double honor, which is, yes, respect. And like uh, Hebrews used, uh, Hebrews 13, um, use words like submission and obedience. Um, and then giving giving, supplying their need. Now, I was going to take you to uh, 1 Corinthians 9. We're not going to have time for that. But if you want to read 1 Corinthians 9 on your own, 
uh, he he uh, he gets into some of that there and and uh, and the reasoning for it. Just saying that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And then lastly here, verse nineteen, and this 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 is part of the the respect part. Verse nineteen: Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. So, what he's doing there, and by the way, this is good practice, not just with elders, but, but with everybody. What he's doing there is, is eliminating gossip. And, and he's cutting off at the root the possibility of um, contention. And strife. It's cutting it off. Don't hear it. He says, somebody comes to you, guess what brother so-and-so did? He says, you don't even listen to it unless you've got two or three witnesses, two or three other witnesses. That's how a thing is established under Old Testament law. And he's bringing that principle into the church. It's not that there would never be an accusation made against an elder. Certainly, if an elder, a pastor, is in sin, then the church needs to do something about it. But it needs to be done in the right way. It needs to be handled in an upfront, above-board, godly manner. So he's not, he's not saying, don't receive an accusation against an elder, period, He's saying there is a way to go about it. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. And again, that's according to uh, Mosaic law. That is how a thing is established. And we still, uh, we still use that in, in, our, in, our, uh, in our courts today. Um, the more witnesses you have, the better... Uh, a thing is established. When you've got one witness, not, not that that means it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, worthless, but when you've got one witness, let's, let's just say in court, in a, in a court situation, then it's a, you know, my word against his word type thing. But when you've got several witnesses saying, or at least two or three saying, that man did it, you know, that, that carries some weight. Because you got more than one person in agreement, so that's the idea here. So, so this certainly um, would fall into the to the uh, respect aspect of uh, of honor. Don't you say you know you 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 respect them, you provide for them because, uh, and again you'll have to go to First Corinthians nine for this, but because they feed you. Spiritually, you know, spiritual food, then you provide their, uh, their natural needs. And then he says, and don't receive an accusation against them, but before two or three witnesses. Now, verse 20, and, and we're done. Those who are sinning, rebuke. Now he's still talking about pastors here. He hasn't moved on to something else. So as I said a moment ago, when he says, don't receive an accusation against an elder, he doesn't mean not at all. He's just saying you, you got to do it the right way. So certainly in verse 20, those who are sinning, rebuke. He's telling Timothy, if, if you know of elders sinning, 
rebuke them in the presence of all. Uh, correct them. Yeah. Set them straight. Uh, not in a harsh way. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, there may, may, may be times that would be necessary, but, but, uh, but uh, it, it's always, uh, always in love. You know, like Galatians 6. Um, if, if a brother's overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, you know, because you may be uh, tempted to go astray. So, yeah, it's just the idea of correcting. Um, so he says, again, he, st- he still, still has elders in mind. In other words, you could paraphrase it this way. Um, those elders who are sinning, rebuke Timothy and do it in the presence of all. Could mean in the presence of the whole church. He might just mean in the presence of all the elders, the other pastors. But rebuke them before all so that the rest also may fear. That's an example of accountability. Um, where we are responsible for one another. And of course, that's uh, magnified, I guess you could say, as far as the church leadership. Um, they, they must be uh, accountable to one another. All right, we'll stop there. We're about out of time anyway. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do again thank You for Your Word. and Lord, pray that You uh, give us wisdom in applying all of these things that, uh, that we see as we, as we read, as we study. And Lord, uh, teach us to do what uh, You've instructed us by Your Spirit to do here. How to conduct ourselves in the household of God. So that through it all, You're honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80. Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.